What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and we are once again joined by Happy Corbin, two-timer on Out of Character. Welcome back, man. How's it going? It's going good, man. We're in Birmingham, Alabama, hanging out, going to watch some football. It's a good day. Well, when you're here at a football game, do you get like, you know, fond memories of your playing days? Yeah, I mean, you definitely do. You get that, I don't know, for me, football was such a physical and like violent game. You know, like that's how I played. It was an offensive lineman, it was head down, eyes closed, and I'm running everybody over. So you get out here and you see that, and you see the guys and you're just like, dude, I just want to run somebody over. Let me get a helmet real quick. Let me just run one play. Let me pull, something like that. So you get that kind of... I don't know, the hairs on the back of your neck where you just want to get out there and just, you know, hit somebody as hard as possible. Like, that's why I loved that game. And uh, you feel the energy here with these guys, and, and that's what they want to do as well. Yeah, I saw that when you walked into the room, you, like, made your way right over to the window, and then we're kind of, like, hovering over, just kind of like, all right, just kind of, <laughs> yeah. like, getting a, get an idea of what each right. guy is like on the field. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's, when I was done playing football for so long, I couldn't watch football. I just, for me it was not fun, it was like work. If I sat down at a bar or something to watch a football game, I'd be going, okay, um, I see, let's watch the Storm Blitz, cover two, like I'm breaking down and I'm not enjoying the actual game. And then some idiot behind me is like, oh, why isn't the old line he's not picking up the blitz? I'm going, hey, idiot, they're bringing seven, we got five, shut up. Like, so I can't, you know, I'm finally getting back to a place where I can enjoy the game. Can you watch other people's matches and enjoy it? Or are you the same way when you're watching WWE matches? A little bit, you kind of start to pick things apart. It's hard to, when it is your job, your career, your life, it is hard to step out of the box and just you know, watch it with an open mind. I mean, I'm sure it's the same for musicians where they hear a song and they're like, ah, I would have done that different or this. It's just one of those things where you can't help, because you're always critiquing yourself. I watch my matches back sometimes and I'm going, okay, this is what I would change, this is what I want to do. I don't watch them all back because then I do just shred them and tear them apart and go, ah, I wish I would have done this or changed this. Um, if I like it when I'm done and the crowd's response is what I want, I leave it alone, I don't go back to it. But if there's something that I know wasn't right and I want to see what I do, I have to go back and watch it correct. But anyway, when I'm watching you know, Raw Monday night, sometimes I'm going, ah, ugh, like I want to, it's hard to be able to, I gotta have a drink in my hand and I can sit down and maybe just relax and watch it as a fan. Yeah, I think, I, I think anyone who performs on camera or does any kind of entertaining, it's, it's very hard to watch yourself back. It is. Like, I can't, I, like, I'll leave an interview and I'll think it was great. Like, oh, that was so good, we vibed. And then like an hour later when I realize I have to go watch that in a day, I'm like dreading it. The second I start watching it, I'm like, why did you do that with your hands? Why did you ask this stupid question? And I'm just like constantly doing that. So I totally understand that. Is that really what I sound like? Like, <laughs> that's my favorite when I cut a promo or do something, I'm going, is that how I really sound? Like, is this what people are hearing? It's really funny. I've had to try and laugh quieter because I have a very loud laugh and I've noticed that when I watch the show back. I'm like laughing over people talking, it's tough. Well, okay, back to football though, because we're here, we're here at the USFL games, we're in Birmingham. Uh, what was your favorite part about playing football? Uh, in college, it was the camaraderie, high school, the camaraderie. You have a team that surrounds you and you know, ride or die, that's what you are. You are a team, it's, you mess with my buddy, I kill you. Like, that's the bottom line. Like, you hit my running back late, you're dead. Like, that's just how I played the game. It was, it was, and that translated like into the bar. One night, one of our uh, wide receivers got punched by a dude and I beat up three people for it. Like, it's just that you are a family. It is tight knit. And I think that's my favorite thing about the sport is when you have the, those guys that go onto this field of battle with you, because that's what it is. It, it is a field of battle. You're trying to win the game and, uh, 
when you have guys that have your back, it makes it that much more fun. And uh, again, the physicality, I love the physicality of football. Just, and that's why I'm good at what I do now. I run people over still, but, but then it was like, that was my goal. How many people can I knock down in a game? We had a, an award in college. It was like a, a big hammer and it was for the hardest hit of the game. And I'm always trying to win that and just, uh, you know, that aspect. But when you got to the NFL, it's not so much like a family. It's more of a business. Guys are there. It's, you know, contracts, it's money, it's, you know, they got their families, they're from all over, it's not the same thing. So then when you get to the NFL, for me, it was still the physicality. I mean, if you go back and look at what I did in the NFL, I was a practice squad player 90% of my career, and I was fighting every week for a spot, and I was actually getting in fist fights at practice all the time. Like, my O-line coach in Arizona, Russ Grimm, loved me for that. Like, when I was in uh, Indianapolis, they were like, oh, there's no fighting. You get fined if you get in a fight. And I was there in Arizona one week, and I beat up uh, a defensive end uh, with a nice uppercut and an overhand and knocked his helmet off. And, you know, I'm good at what I do when it comes to throwing hands. I box for a long time. I'm not going to break my hand on a face mask. Um, Wait, you punched him in the face mask? No, so what? there's a technique. You grab the helmet and you throw an uppercut. And there's an uppercut funnel right here where the face mask is. But I threw the uppercut and it knocked his helmet straight up in the air. The next one was the overhand right and I hit him, dropped him. And I was like, oh no, I'm gonna either get cut or fine. And my O-line coach was like, yeah, gave me a hug. I was like, I'm home. Like, this is where I deserve to be. It was funny. And I mean, that even translated, we were playing the, the Houston. No, we weren't in Houston. We were in Tennessee playing the Titans and we were practicing with them after the game. So we were uh, running uh, some run play and they hit Beanie Wells, our running back late. And I was like, not gonna happen. So I blow the dude up, just hit him in his ear hole, drop him, and it was way after the play was over. So it all started some stuff. And um, the O line <laughs> or the D line coach for them grabbed him, and he's like, "If you ever let an O lineman cheap shot you like that again, I'm gonna send you home. You better be fighting." And Russ Grimm, our O line coach, just yelled over. He goes, "Hey, coach, your player's got a better chance of winning the lottery than he does that fight. He made the smart decision." And I was like so fired up because I was like, that was the coolest line ever. Like, he just <laughs> said it on the fly. But I mean, that's how I played the game. That's what got me paid. My technique wasn't always the best and I wasn't always the fastest. I was still extremely athletic at my size. I mean, I was 330 pounds. I was running sub 540, I was benching 500 pounds, squatting 700 pounds. I was a refrigerator. Like I had to hold my breath to tie my shoes, but I was a, you know, I was an athlete. And so for me, it was my physicality and like playing to the whistle. And sometimes after the whistle is what what got me to where I, uh, you know, got in the NFL. It's funny when you look on your, I think it's your Wikipedia, it mentions you punching someone in a practice. But I, and I was thinking like, damn, that sounds extreme not knowing that like that happens so often in practice. I mean, you're fighting for a job. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of money on the line. If you, if, if someone comes and sits at a table and they say, hey, one of you is walking away with this job and it pays this much money, who's getting it, like there, there's no rules at that point, you know, if we're gonna fight, we're gonna fight, if we're gonna outplay each other, it happens, but that's the nice thing, and the nice thing about football too, in college, same thing, I was a fighter, I got, you know, sometimes the O-line coach would be like, hey, uh, go start a fight, we need to pick practice up, like if practice is low, so I'd, we'd be in shorts and I'd go cut a linebacker and it would just start a brawl, <laughs> or there was a, we had a D-lineman, uh, or a linebacker, Ike Iramiki, he, he was really tough, like sawed off dude, and I just be like, hey, Ike, we're fighting this play. And he goes, okay, and we just start fighting. But then it picks the whole practice up. Like everybody just gets ramped up when that would happen. But then you get in the locker room and it's like nothing ever happened. That's like, crazy. That's the cool part about it, man. Like we understand that like when you cross that line onto the field, it's battle, like we're going. And then you get to the locker room and it's like it never happened. 
in some ways, that's kind of like WWE Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, especially like when you were here, when I was hearing you talk about the college versus the pros, it reminds me of like indie wrestling versus, you know, when you get to a WWE, yeah. you know, where it's a lot more of a family vibe, but I feel like it's much more of a business vibe when you're in WWE. It, it, it's, it's definitely both because we're all fighting for top spots. We all want, uh, you know, to take titles off Roman Reigns. We all want to be the guy. That's what we want. That's yep. why we're here. If you don't want that, you shouldn't be here. That's the bottom line. You know, I've been here for quite a while now and I've yet to get my hands on that title, but it's still like the dream, the goal every day is to get to that level. And I've been in the ring with everybody from Rock to Cena to Roman to Seth to Braun to Kurt Angle. Like, I've faced every top guy and I just haven't gotten that title. And I've had long programs with these guys. I mean, for two years straight, I was in the main event every night. It was, you know, from Seth and Becky to uh, Braun to Roman. I mean, Roman and I ran for seven months. And yep. in the main event, every Europe tour, every live event, every pay-per-view, it was main event, main event. And I never got my hands on a title. So it's like unfinished business for me. But there is that competitive nation, uh, you know, nature in WWE. But then again, we're all family too because you realize the sacrifices guys are making. You're leaving kids at home. You're leaving wives at home. You're leaving your family. You're on the road. You're in hotels. You're hitting the gym. So it does have that camaraderie like, uh, you know, football does. You're all paving the same roads town to town to town, and, and you have that in common. So it's one of those things if a guy's struggling or something, there's, there's plenty of guys around to pick him up, but there still is that competitive nature because we all want those top spots. Well, in hearing you talk about all the people that you have had programs with and wrestled against, um, is it a trip for you to realize that you're coming up on your 10-year anniversary in WWE? I was thinking about, somebody asked me the other day on a plane, they're like, how long have you been doing this? I said, I think it's going to be 10 years. It is. I think That's it's, I think it's next month or this month. It's, it's July. Yeah, next month. It's madness to me that I've been here 10 years. And to, to see what I've accomplished in that, coming in with zero experience. You know, I'm a guy that came in who had hit the ropes one time before ever walking into NXT. And that was because I knew what I was, you know, getting this tryout, so I had to find a way to go, I don't want to look like a complete idiot. I want to get in a wrestling ring, move around a little bit. And I met Johnny Stamboli in Arizona, and him and Val Venus had a school. And they're like, yeah, come for the day. And like, I hit the ropes a couple times. He showed me kind of how to take a bump, just so I had an idea, and then taught me some of the things. Shake hands. You know, here's how you pay respect. And these are the things that are important. So that when I walked in the door, at least I had an idea. Yep. And, uh, you know, I was in NXT for like three-ish, a little over three years, I think. So going from zero to that and then going to the main roster and having success and being a prominent figure on TV. I mean, my entire career, I've been on television. Yeah. Every character has evolved and done things and continued to held his, hold his spot on TV, which I think is important. I mean, how many people, aside from like the Romans and the Seths uh, and the Randy Orton, that, that can say they've constantly been on TV? You know, There's not a lot of people, no. I mean, luckily I've never had an injury or anything like that. Um, I think the longest I've been off TV in a row is like two or three weeks. That's crazy. It's madness. Ten, well, since you debuted, yeah, that's since crazy. I debuted. Man, that's crazy. How long were you in NXT before you debuted on TV? Um, you had for you. Man, I, it was like a year and a half. Okay. Maybe close Dang, to Dang, so you've been like consistently on TV for almost like nine years. Just, yeah. That's crazy. It's wild, right? Yeah. That's, that's a... And doing all the live events and shows. There were a couple of years in there where that, like, you'd see people on Twitter that keep all these stats, and I have no idea how they, they can do this. They're, they're so <laughs> smart. But like, they're going like, you know, Corbin's had this many matches, it's, and it's 40 and 50 above other people. Like, it's wild. There were a couple of years there, especially when I was running with Roman and Seth, where we were doing every single show, and sometimes double shows. And even during the pandemic, I'm doing SmackDown, then going over and doing Raw. Like, I've been that kind of utility guy 
for a long time, but it's kept me very busy, which is a good thing. Do you think that when you first joined the company that you thought it would last this long? I mean, I hoped. Like you, you were that, ready to go that, all in then? Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. The goal was, to me, was like, okay, I want a 10-year television career, like WWE. So, you know, I'm six years into that. So, like, I've still got goals to keep going. But, like, that is a long career here. Like, when you think about it, even, and the, back then it was different, but, like, Austin. Austin's run was, like, three years. It seems like it was so much longer but because it was so iconic, but it was only three years. Like, outside of Randy, Cena, now Roman, maybe Seth in there, like, guys' runs, those are the only four I can really think of that have had 10-plus year runs. I thought Dolph would be on well, that Dolph list, too. Dolph is, for sure. I mean, he's been around. Yeah, and, and Miz? Kofi. Miz, Miz, Kofi. There's actually, it's, it's interesting when you look at it, I feel like there's more people now that have that long of a career than there used to be. Like a lot of times when you look at a lot of old guys, five years max and then they were done, you know? And I think a lot of that, you know, you look at the ages when guys broke in back then and they were a little bit older when they got on television. Like the TV average, I think, was like 38 or something like that. Now it is younger, so I think that helps uh, when people are coming into this business, when they're coming in younger. When, uh, it's funny, we were talking before, I know you were a little salty about, uh, AJ Styles saying that yes. The Miz was the best heel in all of wrestling on this show. That stung. <laughs> because you know what? And here's why it stung. Miz was a baby face for a little while. Remember when he was working with Shane? Okay, Miz yes. was the baby face. Miz was the baby I have face. zero days as a baby face. There's something about it where people just don't like me. Um, and, I, and I take so much pride in that. I take so much pride in being who I am on TV and dealing with, like we talked about last time, all the hatred you get for this and the, the doubt in your ability. And I'm going, dude, I can work circles around people here, but I don't because this irritates you. So it takes, and that's the thing, like I said, I, I think Miz is one of the greatest heels of all time as well. Um, I just wanted AJ to say me because I thought we had some great matches together and uh, we, we always tease each other. Um, one time I kicked him and he's like, you gotta kick me harder. I go, well, you're old, I don't wanna break you. And so then next time I kicked him as hard as I could, it was great. But um, <laughs> he's fun to go back and forth with, with AJ. I think AJ's incredible. Right? He's, so, yeah, he's so fun. Yeah, and he's just got so much talent and his mind for this world is amazing. Oh, dude, yeah. He, and he's, it's funny because I feel like he doesn't, he, he's so humble about it too. Because yeah. when I had him on here, I was like, bro, you're like one of the best wrestlers in the world. And he's like, yeah. well, I don't know if that's like yeah. true. And I'm like, no, it is. You're one of the best. Like, you're great, you know? And, and then you, 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 you see these guys like Randy and AJ, they make other stars as well. Like, Randy Orton has put Riddle on a different stratosphere from where he, you know, he, he and he I had a program. He helped him become a main eventer now. And it's unbelievable. But he's helped him bring out his personality, his timing, his ability in the ring. It's just being comfortable. I mean, that's a lot of it nowadays is being comfortable in the ring so that you're not thinking. You're just kind of doing you. And... Um, he did an amazing job with that. So you, those are the guys like AJ that can do that, that can elevate guys. I mean, he did it with almost, he's done it with several other people. Well, and it makes it special. Speaking of humble, I feel like you are someone who has literally just done that for someone else. So, I mean, I don't know if you, you also are like that now. And it, and it must be weird to be at a place in your career where now you can do that as well. I mean, you literally just did that for Madcap. I mean, when we did the show, I think it was like six months ago, you talked about how people uh, some of the newer talent was being paired up with guys who had been around longer to hopefully have a, a better, you know, start on the main roster. Yeah. And, you know, one was almost, and he was paired with AJ at the time, and then the other one was Madcap, and, and yeah, and Boogs. And so I feel like all of them have had much more success than some of the Absolutely. other call-ups recently, and I think that it's, it's definitely starting to work. And it, 
you're one of the people who is a, an example of that with Madcap. Yeah, I think so. Because you, you looked at what Madcap did kind of in his first little time up when he was just on Raw Underground. And, and um, I mean, no offense to him, but it just wasn't memorable. You know what I'm saying? You, you Even the one before that, before yeah, Raw Underground, they yeah, had a, that. 24 7, yep. him and Mojo. And it, you just kind of forget it. And then when he came out as Madcap with the suspenders and this, you know, new life it was memorable it, it annoyed people to no end and it was amazing and then you know we got to a position where our friendship came to an end and we came to blows and um, I think he's evolved his character again and it's been really good for him and I think having somebody that so many people hate like me work with him it, it really um, gives him an opportunity to find success when he's switched sides when he's gone to this you know good guy role the baby face and um I think it gives him a leg up on other people that just come in and like, hey, cheer for me versus, um, it was funny, and he was working in a match with somebody else, but like the reactions were just kind of, Ew. like it was like his second or third week as a, a baby face, and they just weren't there, but I was part of that segment when I came out, the whole energy of the whole arena had changed. Like, they're like, oh no, we hate this dude, so we are going with Madcap, and it, was that to me was a big attribute to my efforts as a heel because I heard the reactions, I heard the energy and felt the energy change to a different level. And I'm going, this is cool. Like nobody can tell me I'm not good at my job when I can take someone who is evolving and you know on their rise and kind of bring them up. I mean, if, if you saw the Hell in a Cell match, that crowd was unbelievable. I mean, they were calling me an a-hole repeatedly, chanting a-hole at me, and then every time he hit me with a chair, they're chanting one more time. They're, I mean, they were in it, and it was, I think, you know, outside of Cody and Seth, I think we had the, the best match on that show, and I'll say that all day long. I think Cody coming out and doing what he did, you, there's nothing that's gonna surpass that. That's just mental, physical toughness. That's something special. Not a lot of people can do what Cody did, and Seth as well, because Seth knew he was injured, went after the injury, uh, and they told one hell of a story, so that's going to be near impossible to beat. But I yes. think we're right there with them on that show. We held our own, um, you know, and Madcap is, is new. Well, nobody's going to deny that. So for us to hold our own on a major pay-per-view in Chicago, of all places, where those fans are ridiculous, they're close to Philly, those two places. <laughs> yes. They're full of a-holes, I'm telling you. <laughs> the only good thing about Chicago is the food. So... Uh, <laughs> So that was another notch in the, in the belt, another yep. feather in the cap for me. Well, I, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that it's very obvious from watching it that the crowd wants him to beat the crap out of you. Yeah. I mean, when he, I was wondering, I, you know, when you guys broke, when you guys had the split, I was like, I wonder what the reaction is going to be like for him. And the first time they showed him coming to like get his revenge from you, yeah. he kicks open that ambulance door. So cool, The right? place went crazy. Yeah. It looked cool. I was like, oh, I think, I think this is going to work. Yeah. This is, I, I think, all right, they clearly knew more than us in this one. Great, you know, and yeah, and, and since then you've seen the, the crowds are on his side. Absolutely, and, and his personality's there, which is important. Like, before he was just kind of like a caught man. It was like a, a guy you created on t uh, 2K yeah. and you played with, and it was just Joe somebody. But now his personality has really come through, and it's allowed him to show who he really is, I think. This whole thing, the, the evolution of Madcap Moss has has really done good for him, and I think he's gonna be a star. I think he's a guy that, you know, six months from now could be going to face Roman Reigns for a, a WWE Championship. I could see it now with, with his ability, his in-ring work, and his psychology that he's learned and done, and then just his character development. Well, transitioning a little, I wanna talk about uh, Drew McIntyre kicking out of the end of days. 
Uh, talk to me a little about that. Whose idea was that? You better close the window so I don't jump out of it. <laughs> you had to bring that up. Well, My heart is still broken. Well, because the last time we did this show, we talked. You said like, hey, you didn't. Someone had recently asked you, would you rather go your whole career without kicking out of the end, with nobody kicking out of the end of days, or would you rather win a world title at some point? And you said, I think I'd rather no one kick out of the end of days. And then a you know a few months later, it happened. So I was just kind of wondering where your head was at during all that. What my call? Let's just say that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we're out of character here. The 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 100% honest truth. I would have loved to have saved that for a, a bigger moment for me and something that uh, selfishly would have benefited me. But I think that 100% benefited him and and where he's going. But. Um, I think for me, I would have loved to save that for you know maybe a big match with Roman Reigns or, or a moment where you know maybe I'm getting an opportunity to win a world title and we can use that prior to winning or something like that. It just to me it would have set a lot better with me and the way it kind of went down for me a little bit was uh, obviously not the way I wanted it to go. I think, think it made a special moment for him and hopefully he appreciates that and hopefully he knows what it meant to me and. Uh, it got an unbelievable reaction when he did. Yeah, I was there. The place, I, place went insane. Yeah, and, that, and that's the first ever. And so um, hopefully now maybe it's just one person in all of history will kick out of it. Who knows? But um, yeah, that broke my heart. I mean, that was hard because that was kind of my thing. You know, I don't have a list of titles. I have a lot of amazing accomplishments from King of the Ring to Constable to Money in the Bank to, you know, I, I do have one title, but I, to me that was something that I held that was special. And I think people also thought it was special. And it's unique nowadays to have a finish nobody's kicked out of, um, but it made it nearly 10 years, so. I think, awesome. yeah, I think that's a good run with, and you can, it's not like everyone is kicking out of it now. It was like one guy. I think, I feel like you'll, you'll And he's fine. a guy we got hope, maybe he, he's gonna take one of those titles off Roman or something, uh, so it'll all be worth it. It'd be nice if there was a title on SmackDown or Raw, definitely. Uh, do you care, well, you know, as a heel, do you care about losing matches, like being booked to lose matches, or do you think it's your job as the heel to eventually not come out on top? I think that it doesn't bother me as long as I have credibility. I think if you're just a guy who goes out and loses and nobody cares, then, then it's something you have to fix. But I have credibility. Like there's 90% of the audience is watching and go, I wouldn't want to fight him in real life. Like he would destroy me. And then there's always 10% of idiots that think they could stand a chance. But um, like my job is to go out there and just kind of be that big bully. And I mean, how many movies does the bad guy actually win in? Like very rare. Rarely. And so I think that's just the world we live in is we people want to see, you know, guys overcome and uh, achieve great things. And so I don't ever mind it when it's, you know, elevating someone or, or doing something to benefit our show. Like my number one priority is our show SmackDown as a whole. Like how does this whole entire show go and how do I fit into the show? How do I make this show better? Um, how do I get more people to watch this show and watch what I do? And if it's to irritate people so they can watch Mad Cat Moss, you know, hit me with a chair and uh, stomp on my head with a chair and almost kill me with steel stairs, and that gives them joy, I'm all for it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But, but I have to have the credibility behind it. And I have that, I mean, I have WrestleMania wins. I have these amazing achievements that give me my credibility. Yeah, I would love to have, again, a title. We keep going back to title. I'd love to have a title on that list. Um, but I look at guys like Kane. Kane had an unbelievable career. He's in the Hall of Fame and he held the world title one time for, you know. It, like, uh, nothing. And, and I feel like him and I have similarities in that aspect where, you know, 
we have done a good job of elevating people and, and elevating the show as a whole. And um, so that's important to me because I feel like I'm always going to have a job if I continue to keep that frame of mind. How many watches do you own? Too many. I have, uh, this one's a nice one too. That's uh, a nice watch. Yeah, this is a white gold Rolex GMT. Um, I have three Panerais, four Rolexes, two Paddocks, an Omega, a Cuervo y Sobrino, a BRM, so like 11. What's the most prized one? I have a white gold and green Paddock Nautilus, or Aquanaut, I'm sorry, an Aquanaut. And that, I, I had to sell a couple to pay for that one, <laughs> because it, I mean, legit is 70 grand. But right now, if I wanted to, I could take it. I won't. I refuse to. It's my baby. I, a lot of them are my baby. I say that about all of them. I keep telling my wife, they're investments. She's like, but you never sell them. <laughs> but if I, wanted to turn, if I wanted to turn around and sell that one, it, I could probably sell it within 10 minutes for 230 I mean, that's a house. Dang. Or my kids' colleges. Yeah, no, that, okay, all right, that is an investment then. It is. I'm just thinking, when I think investment, I think it's something that's gonna slowly be like bringing money back to me rather than something I can sell again yeah. one day, you know? Yeah, watches have gone absurd in the last few years. And like, I've been collecting watches since I was 16. Like, I think my grandpa gave me a fake Rolex when I was like 10 and I loved it. And like, then it was the quest to get a real one. And then when I graduated from college, he gave me an Omega. And then I bought my first Rolex when I was with the Cardinals. And then, you know, it just snowballed. And when you build these relationships with jewelry stores, I've got one in Kansas City, Tivill. They're like, I've been buying from them since I was a little kid, my whole family, my grandfather. And so I get these opportunities to buy awesome watches that are at retail price, which there's a whole gray market where like, if you wanted to just get a Submariner Rolex now, it's near impossible. You're gonna pay double the price on the gray market, it's terrible. But I get them at retail and then I keep them because I don't flip them, I don't sell them. Like, to me, they're, they're pieces of art. It's like art for my walls, but I wear it. It's just <laughs> one of those things. I'd be terrified to wear a $70,000 watch in public. You really do think about it. And like, even with this one, because white gold is soft. Like if I'm going in somewhere, I always make sure like I tuck my hand or I don't want to hit it on like a door yeah. or like the plane. Like I always wear long sleeves on the plane because the plane will, will scratch this up. Like it is something you have to constantly think about. It's, it's not fun. No, I, I don't take my really good ones on the road. Like how often have you worn the $70,000 one? like four times. Okay, and how long have you had it for? Probably a year. Okay, all right. I, I wore it to Mania, I wore it a couple other times, but yeah, it's, I wear it out to dinner like with my wife and stuff, but like not on an airplane, not traveling, like I don't need some idiot thinking he's gonna get it from me and then it's just not a good situation. Well see, you can handle yourself though in that situation. If I had a $70,000 watch on, I am getting it taken from me. It is, the guy's punching me in the face and I'm, he's gone and I'm screwed in my investment. <laughs> yeah, well I got insurance on him, so. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's kind of my thing. I'm not into cars, I'm not into, uh, give me food and give me, and give me time pieces, I'm happy. I love, uh, I, I saw that with some of the, you know, cool food and drink stuff that you have. I love that like smoke machine thing you have. Oh yeah, for my drinks. That looks so cool. It's awesome. So you have a, so you have a, you have that and you have a nitro cold brew tap in yeah. there too? Oh yeah. That's so cool. I, we, so we redid the patio in our house and I put in all these grills and the nitro tap. We had beer and I'm just not a beer drinker so it never got used. So we put kombucha in one side, nitro brew coffee in the other. That's so tight. 
right? I, that's like my, that, that's definitely one of those like goals I have, like have just on tap, coffee all the it's time. It's the best. I wake up and have my, you know, espresso or whatever, but then later in the afternoon, you just get your nice on nitro and you're good to go. All right, well, we've reached the end here, but I like to end every show with a segment I call The Finishing Move, where I talk to my guest about the finishing move. Brought up my finishing no. move. <laughs> sorry, I know, sorry. Well, we already talked about the end of days, and actually, we've already done this once about the yes. end of days. So we're gonna talk about just finishing moves in general. Uh, what is your least favorite finishing move to be on the receiving end of? A schoolboy. Really? I mean, just how, it's so lame how many big, dumb animals get rolled up and we lose. Like, we gotta learn to kick out of that, man. Like, it's like the Achilles heel to all big men is a roll up. Am you I right? You know? With your bigger legs, you think, you'd be able to kick out I of I guess it too. my quads are too heavy when they're like up here, I can't kick. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's the Achilles heel to us, us big men. That and getting like thrown over the top rope when we're running. It's like, dude, we're big dumb animals, <laughs> but that's where we're at. Um, if you could take one legendary wrestler's finishing move, and make it your own, which would you pick and why? Oh, man. I mean, I feel like people already do like the iconic ones, but I mean, to me, rock bottom is still one of the coolest. I just like things you can do out of motion, out of nowhere. You don't really have to set it up. Like, you know, it's not a moonsault where you have to get the guy, you know, down and flat. It's not uh, a crazy power bomb or anything. It's just something that you can kind of snatch out of nowhere and it looks cool and there's that moment and, uh, I mean, that, that's probably, I have taken the rock bottom, and I think hearing the reaction on it, you're like, man, this is so cool. That, that, was, that was a classic one when you Dude, took that rock Dave bottom. Fox, right? I know, that's why four, I remember it so vividly. Four million plus viewers or something like that. Seg one, Fox, first Fox ever. He got, called me an STD and a lot of other choice things, and then Becky made fun of me, and then he hit me the rock bottom. What a, what a fun day at work. Right? <laughs> Love it. Like when they told me it, I was like, huh? That's what we're doing? Okay. <laughs> First night on Fox, we're doing that? Cool, all right, sick. Hey, Rock's on this trailer right here. I've never met him in person before. Let's go, let's go meet him. Did you have to meet him before like that? Hell yeah. Was it, was it intimidating? No. No? I think because he's just such a cool, like badass, down to earth guy. Like he's just amazing and in, in there's something about him like it's just gravitational like you're just like you're the rock i'm gonna watch you do whatever you do like it's cool so it's not i think because he's kind of one of the guys it's not intimidating versus where i think people see vince is like your boss and he you know he's gonna you know control your future so that's a little more intimidating except for when he knocked my hat off yesterday i wanted to fight him wait did he just do one of straight up one of those no i was sitting down like this at the table and then i get hit in the back of the head and my hat flies off and i turn around and he's just belly laughing at me I'm like, dude, if you, I would punch you if I could. Trust me, I'm not to punch someone with a helmet on. Yes. I can punch you. <laughs> yes, he knows he's untouchable and can just mess with me. <laughs> uh, and lastly, what's the most memorable time you took someone else's finishing move? I mean, that, the, that, rock, the, yeah. the rock was pretty amazing. And then, dude, I mean, it's super underrated match, I think, but my match with Cena at SummerSlam, when we opened SummerSlam in New York, that was really cool. And taking that AA, you know, he was, uh, you know, at a height in his career there, it wasn't kind of a part-time show thing, it was, he was in it, and, uh, you know, we went 12 minutes, I think, at SummerSlam, and had a really awesome match where we were like, let's put on a really good first match, where we're not going to go out of the ring, we're not going to do anything crazy, like, and we told a good story, and I loved that match, and I loved that reaction, and so that was another really good one, and then 
uh, the Roman Reigns spear on top of the dugout in Houston, where we fought for 40 minutes all over the entire arena there. That was another one that just, those, those three will live forever. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, man. Thanks, awesome. dude. You saw part one of this week's special episode at USFL. Now we're here for part two with the one, the only, Carmella. How's it going? Ah, it's amazing. It's amazing. You already know my travel situation, so I'm not even going to get into that. So let's just say it's great. Well, I'll do a truncated version for all of you. She had a four and a half hour travel delay to get here. So she's had a bit of a day, yes. but I'm very thankful for you giving me some time today. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. When you come to a game like this, do you get flashbacks to your days of being a cheerleader? Oh my gosh, yes. Well, I saw the cheerleaders. We passed them on the way up here. They were sitting in the hallway with their pom-poms. I was like, oh my gosh, I do miss it. Do you think that, like, cheerleader, do you, do you think that you're an inspiration to some of them? You, they see that the success that you've had. Do you ever have any cheerleaders that say anything to you like that? Oh my gosh, I mean, it, that's crazy to think. Um, there have been a lot of the cheerleaders from the Patriots that have reached out to me. Um, even my coach, uh, a couple years ago, she actually just recently passed away, unfortunately, but a few years ago reached out for me to do this video for the girl that they were going to bring to the Pro Bowl that year. And so they always try to do a special way to announce who the Pro Bowl cheerleader is going to be. And um, it was announced, announced by me. So I got to say, oh my gosh, congratulations. I think her name was Tori. And um, so she was beside herself because she's a big fan. So it was really cool to be able to mesh my two worlds. I was thinking about it while I was here because it's so hot here, but where you were a cheerleader was very cold, right? Yeah. What's that like being a cheerleader in the winter when you're wearing like next to nothing? Absolutely miserable, but there's <laughs> a whole process to it. So we had hand warmers, feet warmers, body warmers, we're in turtlenecks and then under armor and then jackets and hats and scarves and hail is pelting you in the face and you're just trying to do your cheer. And I remember one time a coach came up behind me, she's like, Leah, or I guess, can I say Leah? Yeah. My name was Leah then, but she was like, uh, Your name is still Leah, it's okay. <laughs> Leah, you need to smile. And I'm like, I thought I was smiling. <laughs> like my, my mouth was so frozen, it was unbearable. And, but you know what, you get through it. Uh, I just, I, I'm a California kid, so I, it would be unbearable to me to be in that kind of cold. It's miserable, but at the end of the day, it was like, you know what, I feel lucky to be here. And once you start moving around, it's kind of crazy to think, but you kind of get used to it. What's harder, since cheerleader, I'm thinking sports talk, what's harder, memorizing a full cheer routine or a promo? A promo, for sure. Yeah. I had danced my whole life, so for me it's like muscle memory, you just kind of go over it once or twice and you have it. Promos, oh my gosh, don't get me started. <laughs> that seems like it would be difficult Struggle. to do like word by word and only have like maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes to memorize it. And oh, and then have it change yeah. five minutes before you go out there, right before you're about to go, oh, don't say that, say that, I'm like, what? You know? Will there be just one word too? Like, don't say that Sometimes one word. Sometimes like one sentence, okay. or a phrase, or something. <sighs> but um, you know what? You just gotta roll with it. What can you do? There's nothing like live TV. It's crazy to think, you know, when you're doing like actors when they do movies or TV shows, they get several takes, and you get weeks or months to memorize your lines. It's like we have five minutes to go out there, and then if the crowd's yelling at you and you're trying to fight through that, but. I mean, I live for that. I thrive off of that. I was listening to an interview with Samuel Jackson recently, and he was saying, like, they were saying, like, you know, you're notorious for having all your lines memorized on set. And he was like, it's not that hard to do that. He goes, <laughs> I have the script well in advance. And then he goes, and then we only shoot a page each day. And they're like, Right? He goes, he goes, we shoot one page a day and I'm in my trailer for hours before. Like, it's not that hard to memorize. No excuse. <laughs> That's what he was saying, yeah. 
that's why I feel like with wrestlers, it's so much harder. Like, it's, I couldn't imagine having five minutes to memorize something. Yeah, it's kind of wild. But at this point, I guess you just kind of get used to it. So, okay, as someone who recently got engaged, I want to hear about your wedding. You just got engaged? I did. Congratulations! Engaged. Thank you, thank How did you, you do it? Uh, well, my girlfriend and I, we, uh, we've been dating for like seven years. And so, the whole time we've been dating, we go to, we've been going to Dave and Buster's. We love Dave and Buster's. It's like our place. We go there for fun. Like, it's our escape on the week. And uh, we've been collecting tickets the entire time that we've been together. We never really spend them. And we were always like, one day, because now like in the prize thing, there's like the really expensive prizes. We were like, one day, we're going to get one of the really expensive ones, but let's save it. We'll get like a drone one day or something. Like, who gets a drone right. from Dave and Buster's? You know, like who saves Five a million tickets. Exactly. And so we were always like, it would be really funny if one day we do that. So her birthday was a few months ago. It was April. And uh, I said to her, well, we're going to go to a nice dinner so that she would be all dressed up nice and looking good. And I, Thank you. <laughs> well, she told me, if you're going to propose and take any pictures, this was years ago. Just make sure I look good. Smart guy. Deal. So I, we went to a fancy dinner before, and I told her that after we were going to make a funny TikTok of us finally cashing in all of our tickets, but like in suit and like looking right. nice so that it would like make this whole like right. fancy it's affair funny. of it. Yeah. But I had really worked, I had talked to the Dave and Busters beforehand, and I had the ring in the case. Oh my God, that's so smart. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so, oh my God. So when we got there, I, I, all, her friends and, all of our friends and family were there and stuff, like in a room, hidden away. And then uh, we went up to the ticket counter and I, oh, how many tickets do we have? And they were like, they told us. And then we started looking around and I walked over to that case. I was like, what do you think about that? And she like, and it said, uh, it had the ring. And then it said uh, seven years worth of tickets was the cost. <laughs> and so I, she like was like, what? And then I had a manager come over and open it, and then I got on one knee. I love that. That is amazing. That's a great story. Great proposal. Really great proposal. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, but I want to hear about your wedding. We're not here to talk about my love quest, uh, although I don't mind sharing that story, because people usually say that. It's nice. Uh, yours looked awesome. It, it looked like amazing. a dream. It was amazing. And I'm not even just saying this. It was literally the best day of my life. The best day of my life. I wouldn't have changed one thing from start to finish. Uh, I, I had the best people, family, friends. It was very small, like 52 people total. It was just, it was amazing. It was the best day ever. How long did it take to get in that dress? It was so huge. Oh my gosh. Well, it took my mom, my dad, and my sister. My dad's over there trying to hold it shut while my sister, and then they had to call my mom to help. It was, it was a whole process. But um, I mean, I love my dress. I loved it worth it. You said before when I brought up your wedding before we started recording, you said it, what I remember of it. <laughs> me, me and my girlfriend have been discussing this. So you drank during the, the reception? Oh yeah. Because we were like, do we drink at the reception or not? Of like, course. It's your party. You have to remember that at the end of the day, it's your party. It's the two of you. It's not about anybody else. You know, it's about you guys. You have to enjoy it. If it's your party, you like to have a cocktail or two, enjoy it. Yeah. I'm just worried that like, I don't want to get like too drunk and then be like sloppy or like. And sometimes you don't drink. If you don't drink, if you only drink a little, you get tired. Right. Do you have to find that happy, <laughs> happy? I mean, just take some practice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just gotta work on it. Where'd you guys go for your honeymoon? We went to Maui. How great was it? The best. Oh my God. We didn't do anything for a few days. We were like, okay, we're gonna go ziplining. We're gonna go hiking. We're gonna go do this. We're gonna do that. We did nothing. We sat by the pool, we went and ate amazing food, had great Mai Tais. It was just the quintessential Hawaiian vacation and it was just so perfect, I miss it. My best friend's on his honeymoon right now and I'm so jealous. He went to like, he went to Tahiti, Bora Bora, 
and somewhere else for like two weeks. See, that sounds like, like a lot of work though. That's what I was thinking. Like we didn't want to have to worry, because we were thinking maybe we'll go to Europe, we'll go to Greece and Italy, and, and it's like, no, we just, we travel so much. All we want to do is sit our butts down by the pool and just chill and do nothing. That was what I was thinking. I, I wouldn't want to like, you guys though, especially, you're traveling 24 seven. Right, all the time. So the last thing we want to do is like hop on another plane and then stay in another hotel. We just wanted to settle in a hotel. We were saying when we were at the hotel on our on our honeymoon, we had spent more consecutive nights in that hotel than we have our new home. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that wild? That's so crazy. And we were like, because I think we had seven nights in Maui. We've never had seven nights in a row together at our home. Really? Yeah, because I guess you wouldn't, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Is that not wild? That's so wild. I know. How long have you guys lived in that house? Um, we moved in in September. Dang, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. I know. Yeah, especially, I mean, you have probably had a, you know, one or two times, like a week off here and there. Yeah, yeah. Corey. Never, yeah. never miss, never misses. Speaking of Corey, I wanted to ask, because we only have limited time here, and I was wondering, were you there when he ordered that pizza the other night? Yes. Oh my gosh. What? That was one of the... <laughs> If you're not watching, if, you, if you're watching this and you don't know what I'm talking about, Corey, he posted a picture the other day of delivery pizza he got, and it was crazy. It was like, <laughs> it looked like the person got into a car accident when they ordered it. I mean, so my parents were in town, and um, Corey had took my dad to a baseball game that day. I went out with my mom, and then we, we met back up at the house, and I'm like, let's order a pizza. We were watching NXT, actually, in your house, and we were sitting there, and the pizza got delivered. And Corey has a tendency to be a little dramatic, you know, a little over the top. And um, he's in the kitchen, he opens the box, and he's like, what the? If you can imagine, every bad word you could ever imagine is coming out of his mouth. I'm like, babe, relax, just stop being dramatic. And I go over and I look, and I'm like, oh, damn, okay, that's, I understand, you know? And uh, my dad had never even used Uber Eats before, he's never used that, we don't have it where I'm from. And he's like, well, give me the delivery guy's number, I wanna call him, I wanna talk to him, what, what, what is he doing? I mean, this pizza was turned inside out and upside down. We got ranch. It's literally, it's like a clump, it's like a circle of cheese in a corner and like, <laughs> like a little It was like, up, I'm telling you, upside down to the point where the ranch dressing, the top, the cap of it was melted into the cup. Like that's, it was wrapped up in the pizza. And I said, you know what? This person probably knows who you are and there's malice behind this. They were like, you know what? Screw Corey Graves, I'm screwing up his pizza. There's no way, there's no way. It, <laughs> it was, it, maybe if you, in Uber Eats, use the name Corey Graves, but. That was done on purpose. <laughs> there's no way that anyone would, and I said to him, I said, you know what, if this Uber driver like made a sudden stop or something happened and he came up to the door and said, listen, I screwed up. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'll give you the money for the, whatever you want. Like, okay, then I can understand. But the fact that he thought it was okay to drop it on the doorstep, the side of the pizza box was all covered in grease and cheese. So it's not like he didn't know. So yeah, I mean, I really did have to agree with him on this one. He was really upset. Wait, so he, he just, the guy just left it on left the doorstep? Left it, left it on the doorstep. <laughs> and then went away. That's so crazy to me because I, I hope anyone watching or listening to this, we're, we'll have to add the picture yes. of this pizza in over it. We're not doing crazy. it justice. It's, it was disgusting. I'm not gonna lie, I did have one little bite though. Well, I mean, you had to at that point. <laughs> I saw one person one person zoomed in the comments, one person zoomed in on like a massive clump of cheese and was like, I'm gonna eat that yeah. if, I, if I had to. <laughs> I did take a little bit, I was like, mm. 
Not bad. <laughs> pizza's still pizza, whether you mash it up or not. I'm worried I'm gonna like offend a, a, a future sponsor one day down the line here, but knowing that it was Uber Eats now makes so much sense. We were literally talking crap about Uber Eats right before this, so I was. I was talking yes. crap about Uber Eats. I love Uber Eats. Yeah, I hate it. It comes in so much handy, especially on the road. When we're on the road and we need food late at night and there's nothing open nearby. But do people cancel on you all the time? Yes. Yeah, they do. I don't understand why they're allowed to accept it. I don't know. If they're going to cancel it. And they're like, well, we refunded you. I'm like, but I still don't have my food. <laughs> I don't care if you refunded me or not. Like, yes, I appreciate you giving me my money back, but I have no food to eat. Yeah. I'm starving. Dude, the Uber Eats that I got the other day, they, they didn't refund me, but because they didn't actually, you know, take the money order. But then it said, here's a $10 for $30, if you spend $30 here. It's like, I don't want to spend more money with you guys. That's <laughs> all <laughs> It. All right, I'll get to a little bit of wrestling talk for the people who are watching this. They're like, I'm talk. sick of pizza and Uber Eats. <laughs> Wedding, Uber Eats, okay, we get it, Ryan. It's a wrestling podcast. Um, you know, did you have fun teaming with Zelina when you guys won the tag titles? I did. It was it was fun. I mean, I guess we're the second longest reigning tag team champions, okay. which is crazy. Yeah, That's awesome. news to me. I can't even believe that. It kind of just went by very quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, we get to have a lot of fun and just kind of be brats and... I mean, it's always fun to be a brat, so I'll take it. Would you like to see more TV time devoted to the women's tag titles and just storylines in general for the yeah, women's tag titles? I, I definitely think so. And I think, um, you know, we would have loved to have more TV time with them and do more with them. But sometimes it's just, it is what it is. That's just how the cookie crumbles. But I think if given the opportunity, we could have had more time and just been really like, Rub it in your face, we're better than ever. I mean, the queen and the most beautiful woman in all of WWE. That's such a, it writes itself, the story, right? So um, if given the opportunity, I would have loved to do a little bit more with it, but it is what it is, you know? Was it weird being drafted to Raw after being on SmackDown for so long? So weird. So weird. I love SmackDown. SmackDown has my heart. That's all I've known for the last six years. So then to go into Raw, I mean, I had done a little bit on Raw with the 24-7 title when I was running around with Truth, but I love SmackDown. I really do. I really love it. But I'm, I'm trying. The good thing about Raw, it's three hours, so there's more opportunity on Raw. So I like that. When do uh, <clears throat> well, oh, that's what I was saying. I said last time we were here, you talked about you were, you know, you had filmed those vignettes yourself to get back on TV. Did you have a hand in the mask stuff at all? No. No. That, wasn't, that, that, that time it wasn't. <laughs> that you. was not my idea. But um, you know what? It, it was. My idea for why I had the mask, right? I think it, the idea was, oh my gosh, you wearing a mask, this is different, it's exciting, people will think it's, it, it makes a statement, right? I'm like, okay, well, why am I gonna wear this mask? To protect my face, rather than, okay, well, I got hurt and now I'm wearing the mask. What if it's, I wear the mask so I can protect? I mean, obviously this thing, what is that really gonna do? <laughs> I understand, but try me, when I'm doing something on TV, I need to make it make sense to me. I don't care if it makes sense to anybody else. If it can make sense to me, then I can go out there and do my job and do it well. Yeah, so. of course, I mean, I, that's how anyone who has to portray a role right, is. You know, right. you hear about like, just the smallest things, like I, you'll, I'll listen to like podcasts about with actors and they're like, I had to change the, the name of my character right. just so it felt good to me. Or like, right. sometimes it takes like holding one prop for an actor to be like, oh, now I get the character. Like, he holds this all the time. So that definitely makes sense. Um, when do you think we'll see you back on TV? I don't know, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Um, it's been a little time away, but uh, I'm excited for when I come back. I really am. I feel like, especially now, I, I'm not in the tag team anymore. It's my time and I'm going to make the most of it. So I'm really ready for this next phase of my career. 
Well, we had a truncated interview, so I, I don't have a ton of time. You know, I got like one minute left uh -oh. with you. Uh, but I like to end every show with a segment. I call the finishing move. Uh, we've already done this once, so I had to change the questions a little bit. Uh, what's your least favorite finishing move to be the recipient of? Ooh, the least, oh, um, Riptide. Woo! <laughs> Woo! She, she, she puts some, put some force <laughs> into that one when she does it? No, it's actually not that bad, but if I, I mean, I have to pick, I would say Riptide. All right, all right, and lastly, what's the most memorable time that you took someone else's finishing move? Oh, God. Um, there's a few. I would say um, SummerSlam 2018 when I took Charlotte's finish. Yeah, it was Charlotte's finish. Yeah, <laughs> took Charlotte's finish. I'm like, wait, let me, it's been so long. Um, and also, I'd say this year at WrestleMania. That was a really cool moment. I mean, when you're losing a title and, you know, it's kind of like the next person's or next team's time to shine, something really cool about that moment. Well, I appreciate you giving me the time today. I know you've had a long day. I'm sorry we had to have this one so short, but she's got things to do. They're and... sick of me anyway, it's fine. Oh no, no, I had so much more I would have <laughs> talked to you about. I had a whole thing planned, it's okay, we're good. But really, thank you so much, I appreciate it. All right, that's it, we're done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.